Hey everyone, this is Jimmy Conrad, your favorite former U.S. Men's National Team player and the host of the Call It What You Want podcast. And I'm here to tell you that Viore is a versatile clothing brand that speaks my language. It's inspired from the coastal California lifestyle, just like me. Its products stand the test of time, just like me. And also just like me, it endeavors to inspire others to live vibrant, healthy lives. Viore gear is designed to look great in everyday life while also being perfect for any workout activity. I'm currently rocking the men's Sunday performance jogger And don't let the name deceive you. You can wear these babies any day of the week and in any situation. I'm talking going to the office, running errands, the gym, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash sports. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash sports. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Again, go to viore.com sports and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. He is just an obsessive goal scorer. But they have to understand I chose to, to stay in my country because I'm French. And, and the Bernabeu blinks it back! I haven't got a problem with soccer to be fair. Football. Oh, what a start! What I can guarantee to you is that they want to keep everything secret. Champions, YouTube friends, drop in your comments and questions in the chat and make sure you smash the stars and strike. I mean, the like and subscribe button as we review the action from today's World Cup. Incredible games, Group A and Group B, where all the action was at. Ah, in the house, I've got Michael Lewis, of course. He looks like a happy chubby. And James Bench, very calm, very composed. But I'm going to start with you, Mike. How you doing, man? That was a roller coaster. Oh, man, 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 man. I feel like a, a musician, rap artist, maybe R&B singer. I'm going to start by saying this goes out to all you haters out there. The USMNT got it done. Thank goodness, because it was almost turtle head time at our household. I was about to crap my pants, given how much, how much stoppage time was on the clock. Oh, my goodness. James, I text you at halftime of the England game, and I was just like, uh, England had really one big chance. Is it going to happen? Inevitably, it was going to happen, right? Yeah. I mean, I have to say, compared to everyone else on this pod, I have had (laughs) one of the most relaxing, enjoyable, (laughs) great, easy evenings. Can I I get... So, story here. You know, Hmm. you might notice some bare walls behind me. We have just moved into our new um, apartment, which is very exciting. Um, yes, indeed. That's not the big part of the story here. My <laughs> partner is is cooking dinner as we speak in front yep. of me. Um, mm. I have just spent the, the most of the last half hour just relaxing, really, because England put the put Wales to the sword as as we kind of knew they would. 
yep. and in a large part of the rest of it enjoying the agony that USA fans have been going through as they clinged on to uh, scrape a, a 1-0 win against a team I think England beat 6-2 so uh, I'm feeling <laughs> quite good <laughs> Well said, James Bench. Congratulations on the new move. And I'm sure you were enjoying that England performance with a nice uh, cold glass of wine or a bit of red wine, getting ready for your dinner. I'm sure you were enjoying it. Uh, Let's begin (laughs) with where the nerves were at. Of course, the United States of America getting the 1-0 victory over Iran, thanks to Christian Pulisic's goal. Um, Wonderful to see him score in a World Cup. Wonderful victory. Christian Pulisic is the fifth men's national team player uh, to record a goal and an assist in a single World Cup in the modern era. But it's all about about getting the victory. It was all about the three points, Michael Hood, more than anything else. I did not want to move 20 minutes before the end of the game. I didn't want to text anyone. I didn't look at my phone. I didn't want to be a part of any group chats. I was a nervous wreck, and rightfully so, because it was touch and go towards the end there. But the U.S. put out an outstanding performance. Your thoughts? Oh, man. It was almost like from the first game to the next game to this game, this team has been building up towards this big moment and for us because of what happened in 2018 you have to remember and Benj I know leading up to this it's been well if you want to be one of the biggest teams in the world there's an air of expect to be in the next round you have to have higher standards but you have to go back to 2018 all the emotions all the dissatisfaction just the horrors of 2018 that happened with this team not qualifying for the World Cup and to be Captain America to be Christian Pulisic to be the guy that I did say would score the game-winning goal on HQ, but to be that guy, it was always going to be his storyline to step up. 2018, he was in tears. He was a kid. He was a teenager. He was the up-and-coming face of this national team. Now he's not doing it alone. He's doing it alongside a lot of young players who were in the U.S. youth system. This is a U.S. team through and through, through the U.S. youth system, and oh, happy days, man. I'm going to go watch Sister Acts 1 and 2 because that song (laughs) is on my mind. Oh, happy days. Well, I mean, I think I think the, the exciting thing for USMNT fans should really be what this will offer to you for 2026. Because let's be realistic, I'm I'm not I'm not taking for granted that the Netherlands beat the USA. I think, in spite of the results, in spite of the points, they're pretty ordinary. I've got some thoughts on Cody Gakpo. We'll get to him later. Like there's a chat, but I mean, we know, we know that this, this run will end and we know that like they're not winning in 2026 either, probably, but going through moments like this, you know, going through that first half against England, I think this has given them a little bit of everything that they'll need for the world cup on home soil, a little bit of a reminder of what happens if you switch off. And I thought we got that a little bit today. I have to say, you know, I've got more thoughts on England, but let's be honest, for a long time, I I, uh, I and everyone else watching that game was sort of drifting over to the other screen to see what was going with the US. And they were inviting more pressure than they needed. There's There's got to be a little bit of balance. Um, and that's two games that they've done that. So I think we can maybe say it's something Berhalter needs to look at and consider. They weren't actually that good, I thought, in the second half against England either. But, you know... This is a young team. They're allowed to make mistakes. They're going to learn from those mistakes as ever. You know, it's great to see that your players in key positions, Tyler Adams, Pulisic, excellent. These are the guys that you know are going to be in your squad in 2026 and they're going to be so much better to the experience they've had over the last few days. Well, I was going to say last few weeks. It's eight days. But yeah, the last eight days. 
Hey, James, real quickly on Christian Pulisic getting the, the winning goal, obviously being forced to go off with an injury after that collision mm. immediately after it. But a big moment for him personally. We've hammered him. He's been hammered by the media. His performances haven't been great at Chelsea this season either. So a big moment for him personally. Well, but I think I owe him an apology. And I think there are a fair few yes, other people do. in the English yes, media do. who who do. A, a qualified apology. You know, he has had minutes and he hasn't done enough in them. But this is a reminder of what happens when you start him in his best position off the left, you kind of get get him in positions to get the shots away. I, I thought this was, you know, that goal was what I like about Pulisic. I got a bit of grief uh, during the England-USA game for pointing out that he's not really a playmaker. That's not the player he's evolved into in Chelsea. He's more poacher. He's the sort of person that takes a kick in the, was it the groin? Was it the stomach? I don't know. Wherever it was, it looked pretty painful. <laughs> I don't know if, I don't know if there'll be many baby Pulisics uh, after that, after that hit. But, you know, this is what I really like about him. And it, it, again, from the, the snatches I've seen, he, he raised his game again, just like he did against England. And, and that's a quality. And it's, uh, to be fair, it, it's a quality that Thomas Tuchel trusted as well. Cause Tuchel, always went to Pulisic in the big games and, yeah. and quite often got a good performance. And I think this is, I'd like to see Graham Potter take this on board, especially with Raheem Sterling struggling at club level. And let's see after the World Cup, let's give him three, four games in a row. Just see. That, I, I want to see more of that from Pulisic. Nah, Benj, I, I personally hope that Chelsea and the whole board, and well, what's left of the board, but the whole club as a whole, call Thomas Tuchel, in Ibiza, because we know that's where he's at, to say, we're sorry, because you believed in this young American, and now he's delivering on the world stage, because I hear you when you talk about Thomas Tuchel taking a chance on him in big games. I look back to that 2020 season where he was one of Chelsea's best players. I thought he was their best player and was robbed of the player of the season trophy in that season. What he did today is what he is so good at when he's playing at the highest level. It's his movement off the ball. When that ball goes wide, Weston McKinney plays a dynamite of a diagonal pass, perfectly weighted. Serginho Dest, who's gotten a lot of grief this season with that move from Barcelona to AC Milan. Dest with a cushion, measured header, knowing that he can't get that on target. He plays it across the face of the goal. And Christian Pulisic, his run starts 25 yards away from where he finishes it. There's a hunger... There's an appetite. And as you said, Ian, he just wanted it more. He wanted to be the guy. Coming into this game, the question was, where are the goals going to come from? And when there's that question mark over your team, someone needs to step up to take responsibility over yeah. that department. And today it was Pulisic. He also had, well, I think it was actually Weston McKinney who had a potential assist, which I want to get on that topic of whether that was offside or not. And Ian, going to you, do you think that second goal, Tim Way of finish, do you think that was offside? I didn't see the graphic come in at all. I didn't see it on any of the broadcasts coming in to prove that it was offside. Obviously, it was just ahead of half time, so we didn't get to see it at half time either. Um, listen, it was close. It was very close. And at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. I was desperately disappointed it didn't go in. I want to touch upon a real comment quickly on Christian Pulisic. Now, we can, we can rave review and we will rave about Christian Pulisic getting that goal. But I'll tell you something. 
he can do so much better than what he did today. He was playing well and he was involved in the game. He gave the ball away a few times just far too cheaply and he can be better. There's no doubt about it. But the fact that he was involved in the game and he wanted the ball, he was ready to step up. As James pointed out, Tuchel always went to Christian in big matches. And and the United States of America need Christian Pulisic in big matches. And of course, going into the knockout stages, they've achieved a goal that I didn't necessarily know they would. I was hopeful that they would, but now they're there. Now, what can you really do about it once you you get through, you're in the knockout stages, the team's playing well, they're clearly hard to beat. It was a big, big decision to leave out Walker Zimmerman and put in Cameron Carter-Vickers. What was your thoughts on his performance? I thought he was sensational. The Glasgow Celtic man, i got to give a shout out to Celtic, but uh, Carter-Vickers has been brilliant. And a couple of times where he was a bit touch and go if he was going to make a challenge and around that penalty area and maybe got a bit lucky at the end with a hand on the shoulder. But I thought overall his performance was great. And before I get to you, Mike, on his opinion, I want everybody in the comments to let us know what you thought about the game. What did you think about Vickers? What did you think about Pulisic? Share your thoughts right now. This is your show. Go ahead, Mike. Well, you said it in the morning update. Cameron Carter-Vickers, you argued that he was the best defender in the SPL, one of probably the, the best player in the SPL. I thought he was fantastic today. Mehdi Taremi, he was the go-to guy. He was their ace. Didn't notice him as much. He was feeding on scraps. Carter-Vickers, his composure in possession, his, he looked like he'd been playing with the U.S. men's national team throughout this qualifying campaign. I loved his presence, his physicality. He had almost that air of of confidence that this backline is needed to be more solid in this World Cup. I expect him to start the next game. If he doesn't, I'm on a first-class flight. Please, CBS Sports, put me on a first-class flight to Doha to ask Greg Berhalter questions because I'm going to be pissed as ever. Listen, I think it's a big decision to leave out Walker Zimmerman in a game like that. You make a brave decision, and that's what good coaches have to do in big games. They've got to make brave decisions. I thought defensively, they were awesome. Only the one shot on target, if I'm not mistaken, from Iran in this game, who looked pretty poor around that penalty area. They were just hoping that they could get a goal. There was no clear idea, no clear identity in their attacking play, but we must applaud what Iran did in this World Cup. Clearly, James coming into this World Cup with a weight on their shoulders, trying to represent their people in the right way, obviously trying to send a political message, which they did do clearly in interviews and things like that. Now they go on their merry way. Disappointment for them massively, but the U.S. move on. Quick word on Iran before we move on. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is a this was a World Cup of fine margins. And in the end, the breaks just, just weren't on their side a little bit. It, you know, they... They had huge talent, especially in attacking areas. But I, I kind of thought maybe in the in the big games, the midfield wasn't wasn't quite there. And you could you can tell, like you know, look at the the three players that that Greg Berhalter could could name. Look at the substitutes he could use. Look at the subs that like he didn't use, and then maybe compare that with with Iran. And, and of course, as you say, look, how could it not? How you know how can it not have an impact? what's happening back at home because you see in one game they are not singing the national anthem in the next they are so clearly there are conversations going on off the pitch about the events that are happening off the pitch and it's always an unknown and but i think sometimes you know i spent a lot of time these completely different situations but you're always thinking how do these things affect football and I think more often than not, it just becomes a little bit harder to focus on your game. We had the same thing with Shakhtar in their really trying circumstances in the Champions League. You know, there are moments when everything else can raise you up as a team, can unite you. But it's hard. And I don't think we can blame any team where it all just becomes a bit too much to deal with. And, and I thought maybe, you know, especially with 
it, you know, you'd have to ask the players, but I, I thought it was a really tough environment for them to excel, um, especially with all the talk in this final match about politics. I don't know how much that really gets through to the players. You guys will know better than me, but I know it, I'm sure it would be a lot easier if they weren't having these conversations and were just able to focus on their football. I agree. I agree. Uh, well, one player who I know would love to focus on his football if he got in on the pitch Gio Reyna, I feel for this guy. Yes, the U.S. getting the job done, but this guy is one of the best talents on this team playing his football in the Bundesliga. Yes, he's had injury woes, and some of our fans, some of you, have had some comments, some frustration towards Greg Berhalter. Our producer, Des Norris, if you could bring some of those up. I have some question marks over some of the subs that were made. One guy in particular, and we have, what was it, Sorarav Bose, Berhalter will will pay for his substitution. It shouldn't have been that stressful. No Geo again, but Tyler Adams for president. I agree. I'm voting for him in the next presidential election. He is on my ballot. Thank you very much, Tyler, for your performances. When I look at this USMNT team, they are playing with fire a bit with some of the substitutions. One player that I have question marks over his credentials and his decision-making is why I question Shaq more. I, I think watching him, I'm very nervous. One of the plays where the ball was crossed, uh, was it Matt Turner screaming at him? You have time. You have time. He's a player who's playing with a ton of nerves. You have players who are tested. DeAndre Yedlin has World Cup experience. Why not put DeAndre Yedlin if you're going to go to a back five? Obviously, we've touched on Giorena. I think he's a player that needs to have played today. This was a game that, yes, we got the 1-0 win, but it was there to be taken for 2-0 on the counterattack. Giorena, instead of Haji Wright, would have been my sub. And if you're going to play a striker, when is Jesus Ferreira going to get in? You, Ian, you and I watch Jesus Ferreira in Major League Soccer. He's got pace. He's one of the fastest players in Major League Soccer, and he's got the finishing quality. I think on some of the counterattack opportunities, Jesus Ferreira would have done much better to get that second goal than Haji Wright. I don't rate Haji Wright for this team and how they play at this World Cup. I think it's really good to know that it's not just England supporters that are manically complaining about the substitutes, that when their player that they want to get a chance gets in, it's immediately about, oh no, actually we need Mason Mount back, get rid of whoever, get rid of, I mean, I'll say get rid of Jordan Henderson, but that's not the worst idea. <laughs> I think it's, it is just, you just can't, you know, no manager can can make his his squad and his public in particular happy when he has so many players of, of similar level, you know, it, Gio Reyna's not playing because Christian Pulisic and Timothy Ware have played quite well and Brendan Aronson is a, is a good option off the bench. Everyone wants their, their team to go for the kill and win the game 2-0, but, you know, who, could, who, who among us could say that they wouldn't engage in a little bit of risk management, a little bit of mitigation at 1-0 up? And I think if, you know, if Berhalter had brought on, I don't know, Reyna and kept the back four, you guys will know better than me, but if that had then led to... Iran equalising, you know, the pressure got too much. Rainer failed to make a tackle or whatever it was. We'd be, be slating him for that. I think international managers in particular can't win because the football's never as, uh, is never as easy on the eye as we'd like it to be. And that's yeah, a great way to segue into England. <laughs> well, great, great. I'll get there in just a second, James. I want to let you know that Matt Osman has jumped in and he said, got us out of the group, so stop hating. We're a young team and doing well. We agree with you, absolutely. Yeah. But we can also criticize like many people are doing um, in the comment section. Um, he also said, B. Diddy, but he, he just actually jumped in and said, it's been a few, few negative comments from B. Diddy, by the way. Uh, he didn't trust these guys <laughs> to get out of the CONCACAF, um, but not to get out of the World Cup group here. He also mentioned, if they moved where to striker, they always could have subbed Haji or Jesus to striker. Um, 
for Timo if that was needed later on. Totally agree that Yedlin instead of Shaq came in. Um, question from Francisco. Where's Nigel? That is the question right now. <laughs> Nigel has disappeared. He's sitting in the middle of the ocean somewhere because he doesn't want to talk about the U.S. Men's yeah. National Team and their success right now. Uh, let's get back to a few of the earlier comments coming in here. We have one from Learning Videos by Nikki. We're beating the Netherlands. Woohoo! Yeah, baby. You believe this one. It's massive. Vic jumping in and saying Pulisic needs to be consistent. Stand up and talk as the big game player. He also jumps in here early on. Vic and says, gentlemen, Christian Pulisic bags of money today. Ian, thanks for the gold tips for England. Over 2.5 goals was a hit. You're welcome, Vic. I like to bring it for you, baby. Uh, let's move on to the England game because, James Benz, you were all over this one. It was a convincing performance from England. They waited until the second half before they opened up, but they got the convincing victory against the Welsh, who didn't turn up for this tournament whatsoever. They were poor. It was nice to see them here. Their supporters are fantastic. They travel well, but good performance today from the English team. Excellent performance from Marcus Rashford, who bagged a couple of goals. And Phil Foden, Michael Hood, he, you wanted him. He got a goal as well in this game today. But, James, take it away on the overall performance and your thoughts on the three lines. Yeah, it was decent. It was that sort of England performance against a, a, an average, or let's be frank, by World Cup standards, a long way below average team in Wales. You know, they took their time. They, they ground it down. It took a little while for their passing to zip through. But when Jude Bellingham was able to advance the ball up the pitch, they looked so much better. And obviously in the second half, it was clear what the message was. Move it a bit quicker. Let's get it going. And that paid real dividends. I think you also can't kind of separate the... Uh, 75 minutes where they weren't scoring or the 45 minutes when they looked quite average mm-hmm. from, you know, that, that flurry of goals. And and I think, you know, Phil Foden was certainly an improvement on Raheem Sterling's performance against the USA, but I don't think he completely answered every question and claimed the left wing spot for himself. Rashford, though, great audition as, as the right winger. I'd be intrigued as well to see if he could potentially lead the line if anything happens to Harry Kane, who looked back to something like his best the midfield, I don't, as I said, you know, and I was pointing out from the outset, Jordan Henderson was a little bit too conservative, but it, it all looks fine. I think we kind of forget that we're, we're picking at the details here with England, uh, you know, the, the things that could make the difference in a quarterfinal, in a semi final. Mm-hmm. But they look all right. I'm not, I'm not, not the thing to get carried away with, but they're fine. I don't mind. Yeah. Yeah, but Benj, I'm I'm just dying to know because you know just a bit of a roller coaster, not the ultimate roller coaster for this England team. You have the highs of highs, and then you have a kind of a mediocre performance in the second game, and then you're back to some of the highs of highs or decent highs to finish out the group. Given the fact that you start Mar- Marcus Rashford, Phil Foden in their first game where they start together, if you're Gareth Southgate, if you're in his shoes, where do you go from here knowing that you have a good Senegal team who's difficult to play against? I mean, that will certainly be tough, but it's a, another game, I think, that suits England. They're perfectly happy playing against a defensive team that that doesn't want a lot of possession. They've just done that against Wales, and certainly the, the Senegalese defence and, and Koulibaly, better, much better, and it will be hard um, and there will be a lot of conversation about oh, England need that, you know, that that player to play that magic pass as if you don't, you know, the best teams don't often struggle with that magic pass. But they've got options. And I think, you know, a Grealish or a Madison can change the game off the bench. The one thing, key thing I would say, this defence is rock solid. USA played the best game I've ever seen them play. How many chances did they make? One. Two. One good chance. The closest one hit the bar. 
It's not, I mean, it's a good shot, but it's not a good chance. Yeah, I it's, a, it's a really good hit, but it's not a, a good goal-scoring opportunity. Like I think it's. I think James, we well. saw we saw a very different US team today. They were actually a lot more offensive-minded, knew that they could yeah. take it to Iran, where they were probably a bit more defensive-minded, knowing that England can can really kill the game off at any given time. So I think ment- mentally, you have to approach that game in a defensive manner. Even your offensive players play a bit defensively, and they wait for these counter-attacking opportunities, snapshot chances, uh, set plays, things like that. That's where the US are at. This is a young group. We talked about this before the World Cup even began. This is a young group right now that are not necessarily overachieving, but getting to the knockout stages is a huge achievement for this group of players because through qualifying, they, in my opinion, they weren't convincing. And I didn't expect mm. to see this desire from them. Didn't expect to see this commitment from even the big players. I just didn't. But you can tell that the chemistry in this group, they're all fighting for one another. Yunus Musa for me again. Oh. I mean, I know Tyler Adams was probably man in the match today. But Yunus Musa to me is one of the best freaking players I've seen in a US jersey ever. He's that good and he just turned 20 years old today. So outstanding performance from him. Let's touch upon the fact that obviously the the round of 16 is out there. Netherlands, USA, Senegal against England. Uh, Michael, come to you first on the Netherlands against the USA and then James, Mm. take it from him. Where where do we go with this game? Because the US know they've got to step up their performance. They know they've got to score goals to go through any knockout game. So you can't just sit back like they did do against England, a good side. You've got to attack. You've got to play football. So what do you want to see from your U.S. boys going into this game? Ah, It's that quality in the final third. And I just wonder if this is going to be the game we finally see Gio Reyna. Because if you go against the Netherlands, their back three is solid. They showed that today. And given some of their struggles offensively, yes, they've scored goals. But they haven't looked like the Netherlands team that we expected to dominate this group and really dominate at this World Cup. That's three games in. The knockout stages is where teams tend to take flight. I still think this U.S. team has a golden opportunities. The one concern I have against Netherlands is the U.S.'s undersize against the likes of Virgil van Dijk. Justin Timber. No, not Justin Timberlake. Justin Timber. Though he did play like Justin Timberlake. Julian Timber. Was Justin Timberlake. Was it Julian Timber? Julian. Oh, well, in the U.S. we say Justin. So, Julian <laughs> Timber. <laughs> Tra- translated. Translated Julian Timber. With that back, the Dutch have a good back three. Frankie de Jong in the midfield. I think that we can match up well, maybe not diving in. I just wonder if this is the game where Greg Berhalter, he will need to have to manage the game to perfection against an experienced head like Louis van Gaal. I expect the Dutch to come out and just go guns blazing to try and get that early goal. Memphis Depay, he will start this game. He brought a bit more quality in the final third. The likes of he and Cody Gakpo have more believability about them up top than Bergvine and Gakpo did. And this is just going to be a tricky game. I think the U.S. in this game have nothing to lose, but they're going to have to manage it to perfection for 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think the one thing I would say, and uh, Mike, you touch on this, the, the, their attack is a little bit underpowered, the Dutch attack. I think they've got about 3.3 expected goals from you know, games against not superstar opposition. Yeah, it, it feels like it's both missing like a creator and an enforcer. Like there's a lot of holes I would plug. A lot of elegant ball players, but no one, you know, no one like a James Madison to go all England again. No one, but also no one who wins the ball back for you really convincingly. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I think if 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 Musa and if if Adams can can win their duels and make their turns and, and advance the ball up the pitch. I give the US a good chance in this. I'm not I'm not blown away by the Dutch. I think they've had a pretty passive schedule, you know, with 
you know, Senegal being a shadow of themselves. And they could have killed off Ecuador, but they were blown away when Ecuador played the sort of aggressive, fearless football that we saw from the US in the first half against Wales, in the first half against England. Get that first half performance? I don't, I'm not saying that they'll win. I'm saying I think they'll win. But, you know, I think the US have got a chance here, a really good chance. Quickly on England against Senegal. You've already talked about it before, but they, they should get the Ooh. job done. Senegal impressed me today. Um, I actually put some money on Senegal to get that job done there. They were at pretty high odds, but I don't give them much of a chance against England. It's going to be difficult for them to stop England scoring goals. Yeah, I mean, they've got, they have got they showed a little bit more thrust than attack, which was which was welcome. But I, I feel like England won't give up many chances and you trust that one or two of their forwards will take the relatively few that come their way. I think this might be a tight game, but maybe the sort that England eventually come out 2-0 or 2-1 winners. Mike, give me something on Senegal. Give me, give me a little bit yeah. of hope here. I, I, you know, I think the player who can make the biggest difference, Bouladia, he wasn't as sharp as he was in the second match where they won by a decent scoreline. But Ismail Yassar, he has that bit of extra something. He drew the penalty kick for the first goal, coolly slotted it in. I think he will have to be in his best game because England, I still think that they can be get after, they can be had, excuse my English, my American English today, it's a bit off. They can be had on the outside, especially Ismail Yassar. He has that freedom to go and play on either flanks. But the biggest miss outside of Sadio Mane coming into this World Cup, the biggest miss in this match, a player when he got the clumsy yellow card. Ganagay, that's going to be the biggest miss for Senegal in midfield. He was that player that could maybe get around Declan Rice, maybe Jordan Henderson, if, if those two are in there, maybe pick off something and hit on the counter. I just don't see it in this game for Senegal. I do think maybe going to penalty kicks, Senegal is a very good penalty kick team if they can frustrate England. They have a good goalkeeper on PKs and Mendy as well, so I think that's their best bet. Yeah, Mendy's pretty poor on everything else at the moment. I'm just going <laughs> to jump in. Uh, because we've got some pretty urgent urgent breaking news here. This is from the U.S. Uh, Soccer Federation spokesperson. Christian Pulisic has an abdominal injury. Crucially, he's gone to hospital for scans on that. Now, you know, the phrase went to hospital always spreads the worst fears in football fans. We don't know. He's gone there for scans and obviously for urgent scans. Um, but, you know, that that is a, a significant blow, of course. I mean, the U.S., correct me if I'm wrong, they're now playing Saturday. So... Yes, you know, whatever happens, it is very little time for Pulisic to uh, to recover. So, so that's a blow. He's gone to hospital, going to scans. Obviously, this is a very live story. So we're not in any yeah. position to give you time scales or anything like that. Great work, James, uh, breaking that news right here on House of Champions as it's just come through from US Soccer Federation right there. Mike, real quickly, we're going to keep this short because we've got to get to break. Um, yeah. I'm not too worried if Pulisic's not there because I feel like Aronson yeah. can step up and do the job. I'm yeah. not worried about it. Yeah, I think... Brendan Aronson does bring a bit of quality, and I'm not worried because now Greg Berhalter's hand is a bit forced. Does he actually play Gio Reyna? I think Gio no, Reyna... He's not going to, make, think, I mean, You think he's, he's stuck on his laurels? Why is he going to play him? I mean, he's not giving him a chance right now. There's something yeah. wrong, clearly. He's not playing him. He's not throwing him in. He's not giving him minutes, so there's something wrong there. So I just don't see it. Mm. It'd be a shock to me. Yeah, I, I, if that's the case, then that, that, that ruins my hope in this because you have a quality player who's going to be chomping at the bit to make a difference. I think how he plays matches up very well with a team like the Dutch who are vulnerable on the counter. Senegal showed that time and time again in that first game. I think he's a player who has that deft touch, that ability to spring the final pass. The likes of he and Brennan Aronson could be the difference in a game like this, given that Christian Pulisic may not be a factor, but it would be disappointing if he doesn't fix her at all. 
Yeah, I'm with you on that one. Let's get to some of the comments before we get to break here. Hoping Adams can shut down Cody Gakbo. That one comes in from Diddy 53 He also says, dude, do you think that Cameron Carter-Vickers starts again against the oh. Netherlands? Top-class performance from Carter-Vickers today. Dale Howard saying, Leeds, Leeds, Leeds. Proud to have both Tyler and Brendan playing for the mighty Leeds up the USA. Love to see that one. Matt Osman, Gakbo on the Dutch side. He's the one player on the Dutch side who's shown up this World Cup. We agree with you on that one here. But these are the most important comments. Alfonso coming in and saying, Where's Nigel? Richard coming in and saying, for the first time, I have wished that Nigel was here. He has to hold the L again. Great comments coming in, everybody. Continue to share your comments. Share your thoughts on the United States men's national team. Christian Pulisic, as James Benj just pointed out right there, breaking news. He has gone to hospital for further scans, for further checkup on abdominal injury that we're hearing. Uh, let's hope he's okay, but we're going to take a quick break. Um, everybody, thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, more to come from us. We're going to take a look at how Group A ended, and we'll preview what's to come tomorrow. You're watching House of Champions. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. If you are an American soccer fan that follows the Stars and Stripes, make sure to check out another great podcast in the CBS Sports Podcast family. In Soccer We Trust. Former U.S. Men's National Team stars Jimmy Conrad, Heath Pierce, and Charlie Davis are previewing and reacting to every U.S. match with a perspective that only they can offer. So make sure you download and subscribe to the In Soccer We Trust podcast anywhere you found this one. Welcome back, everyone. You're watching House of Champions. Ian Joy, James Bench, Michael Hood with you. Let's get to Group A. Oh, wait a minute. Before we do, there's Jimmy Conrad. <laughs> there he is. He is in Qatar and uh, doing such a great job over there. Yeah. Fantastic to see him. In Soccer We Trust, Jimmy Conrad, one of the greatest people you'll ever meet. Loud and proud, very energetic, <laughs> a little bit crazy, but who doesn't love the crazy ones? We all do. Let's move on to Group A. Netherlands getting the job done, finishing top of the group. Senegal finishing second on six points. Uh, let's talk about the Ecuador-Senegal game before we move on to the Netherlands. Boring game against Qatar. Ecuador were very good coming into this match day. We all thought that Ecuador, who were favorites going into this game, would get the job done, but Senegal might had other ideas getting a 2-1 victory. Oh, well, from the onset, they were on the front foot. They had to go after this game, and they did. It was through winning balls in midfield, and you could really see the impact of Mendes not being alongside Caicedo in this game. They opt to go for the 4-3-3. They've been fluid in changing formations. Last game against the Dutch, they went with a back 5, 5-4-1, and really took it to the Dutch in the second half. This was a game that I was disappointed in the performance, first half performance for Ecuador. I think the manager got it wrong with the likes of Alan Franco and Carlos Grezzo. 
mm -hmm. MLSers, well, Franco with Charlotte FC, and I think Grisso with FC Dallas in the last couple of years, plays for Augsburg. And when they brought on Sifuentes, that is when they really kicked on. Sifuentes is a player who I rate very highly. He's tipped for a move to Europe at some point, and they started playing balls forward. Moises Caicedo was not a factor. Enter Valencia did not get enough service. He was not a factor until that goal. But at the World Cup, that's all that matters is what you do in defining moments. He had the goal to get them back in it, but it was also his fault on the loose mark for the Koulibaly finish. On the Senegalese end, I thought their mindset was first class. I thought that they were aggressive when they needed to. They high-pressed this Ecuadorian team. We saw a different version of Ecuador who sat back more, almost playing not to lose rather than being on the front foot to try and get the right result to win. Yeah, I just want to echo what Mike was saying about the disappointment of Ecuador, who was so fearless kind of in, in fighting back against the Dutch and had played in such a front-footed fashion and kind of demonstrated that, that against Qatar as well. And then it really felt like they decided, let's play for a draw. And you never, every manager says it, and we all know that you're not, you're not supposed to, you never play for the point because you get these, you invite pressure, you invite, I mean, Pierre Hincapi is a, a fantastic defender, but what a terrible mistake, what a terrible bit of clumsiness. But I think, you know, they felt like a team that was rigid. They were a bit paralyzed by fear, the, the complete opposite of the team that fought back against the Dutch. That's really disappointing. Um, obviously, this is a young team, and I have a feeling we'll see them. Well, I mean, we're going to see everyone in 2026, aren't we? The 400 team World Cup. But uh, I'm certain we'll see Ecuador. Um, and I think they'll be a better team for this. And uh, yeah, the only other thing that Kaladu Koulibaly hit, mm. it was pretty Special. sweet. It yeah. was pretty sweet. And um, yeah. it also hit me a couple of bets as well. So I'm going to take that one uh, very proudly indeed. I'm very happy with the way Senegal have proud, proud of Africa, really the way they have uh, competed, such a, a great team in AFCON and uh, how well they have done at this World Cup and really shining bright. Ecuador did very well in this competition. And actually, they, they, they surprised me. I didn't think they were going to be as competitive as they were. I know this group is not really that competitive. The Dutch were not great, but to get seven points is pretty impressive from them. Um, Qatar were pretty poor, um, but at the same time, um, if we talk about that game, Mike, Netherlands made yeah. it look easy. The only real person I want to talk about more than anything else is Cody Gakpo. Three goals oh. in the World Cup, three consecutive <laughs> games, left-footed goal, right-footed goal, and a header. Uh, this guy, the, the price tag. We've talked about the price tag. We talked about with Fabrizio. It keeps going up, and if you're a player who's tipped for a big move, and a big move potentially to one of my favorite teams, I know I'm a big OM fan, ale, 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 OM, but good golly good molly this guy could be a hit at old trafford should a move be materialized for manchester united in the coming windows whether i don't see it happening in january because he still has a lot to do with psv but i could see him being a big summer signing somewhere at a big club in europe just a quick thing on this dutch team the first mm -hmm. time we saw the likes of i'm drawing a blank uh, memphis Depay. he's kind of a big mm -hmm. player the first time we saw Memphis Depay start, Depay playing a big hand in both goals. He was the one that played the entry pass into Davy Klaassen, and then it fell to Gakpo at the top of the box. The rest is history. He also had the follow-up shot that led to the rebound for Frankie de Jong. He is the leading goal scorer for this Dutch team coming into this World Cup. I think as he really goes alongside Gakpo, that could be the determining factor for the Dutch team at this World Cup. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I totally don't want to quell the Gakpo hype. <laughs> Come I think on, part of this always depends, doesn't it, on when you first saw a player. Um, mm. And I saw someone that was very ordinary 
against partly Arsenal B team in the Europa League. And we all talk about those amazing stats and they look great. And a lot of that is overperformance on XG and all those nerdy things that everyone tells you to shut up about. Mm-hmm. But if the price is swelling, this he's a great player, but you don't just like if the price is expanding and, you know, people are going, well, Anthony cost a hundred million and Gakpo is doing better this season than Anthony did last. Don't pay it. Don't pay it. You'd be mad. Like, He's, I, I need to see more than three good games at a World Cup uh, and some Eredivisie output before I drop that much money on Gakpo. Like, this isn't Listen. me saying he's not supremely talented. It's just me saying the price of the brick has gone up. Yeah. I ain't paying. Mm-hmm. You you are, are making a very sensible comment right there because so many times after major competitions, we have seen it, James, where clubs jump in on a player who has this tremendous hype. We must not forget the group in the competition that Cody Gatbo has been playing against. Um, there was a great conversation with Fabrizio Romano earlier on, so please go back and check that one out on YouTube if you possibly can. Also check our social media heights about Cody Gakpo. They did have a big offer, James, and it looked like it was around the Eight. 50 million, million euro mark, mm. and they turned it down. And apparently it was Van Hal that turned him down and told him, Wait until after the World Cup before you make your move. So if you want to find out more information on that one, uh, please go ahead and check it out. Um, uh, real quickly, just uh, give us a quick tip. I mean, we both tip England and the USA to go through, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you serious, Ben? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think this Dutch yes. team is all that. Yes. I mean, like, you, I know you yeah. said that the defence looks great on paper, but every yeah. single one of them seems worse on the pitch. <laughs> like... You know, even Van Dyke and like by Van Dyke standards isn't great. But I think it's a good matchup for the Americans. I do. I'm with you. I'm with you, Mike. Yeah, I'm feeling confident for Group B and the hype train is real for both of these teams. I, I think the emotional test in all these matchups between the U.S. England, I think the U.S. Iran, U.S. will be very buoyed. The Christian Pulisic factor, that is going to be a big talking point and, and really a big impact in that game up against the Netherlands. For for U.S. Senegal, or for, sorry, U.S. Senegal, I wish it was U.S. Senegal. For England, Senegal, I really think that if England can get that first goal, whether it's in the first five minutes, in the first half, that first goal is going to be massive for the English because we've all seen it before when that pressure mounts and England has to to face pressure that not many teams or any teams around the world have to face the British press. There's nothing like it. Benj, (laughs) you know it very well. They can't read what the British press are writing mid game. Oh, they they'll feel it. They know these players know though. They know that the letters that are being crunched. If things go wrong mid match, it, it it, it, we've seen it time and time again, play on players' minds. I, I think that I think I always I mean obviously as a member of the British press I would, but I always think that's significantly <laughs> overstated. Um, what do you mean what do you mean as a member, James? You are the British press, all right? There's <laughs> yeah. no one else out there that we give a shit about, right? You are the British press. All right, let's move on. Uh, real quickly, coming up tomorrow, we have a quick preview, obviously, of the games that are happening. Group C is Poland against Argentina. Poland need only a draw to go through. Argentina need a win or a draw and a Saudi draw. Uh, Saudi Arabia against Mexico. Saudi need a win. They a win and gets the men. Mexico they need a win and a Poland win for them to be in that seems like a miracle group d australia against denmark when and you're in right there in that game what a cracking game that is for a lot of people's predictions that denmark would top the group but also for denmark to even go through australia can draw but still need tunisia to win for them to go through tunisia they need a miracle so forget about them france they are through uh real quickly on both of these groups you can choose any game you want james bench which one are you looking forward to 
Um, I mean, I'm ner- I'm not. Look- I don't know if I'm looking forward to it because I'm very nervous about this. Is a man that said that Denmark could get right yeah. the way through to the semi-finals. I'm going to go on my expected goals again. You know how much I love them. <laughs> Open play. Denmark have 0.63 expected goals from games against. I mean, I know one of those games is France, and I know they've scored from a set piece, and set pieces are their strengths. Yeah. But you also know that Australia are a tough physical team, and that that's how they would want to play Denmark. So the big question is: Can that front three, can Christian Eriksen and Hoiberg, can they actually start doing something from the 60 or so minutes that the ball is in open play? Um, because if not, like it's going to be tough. I, I think they'll get through, but it's going to be tough. Ah, man, the game, it has to be that game. Poland, Argentina, Robert Lewandowski playing against some of his Barcelona teammates, La Liga compatriots. That is a game I'm looking at. And this is a game that if Poland, they have not looked solid defensively. Yes, Louis got off the mark, getting a goal and an assist. They will have to be good defensively. We know they can score a goal now, but I think it's going to come down to that. Argentina, they have just too much offense. I think Argentina will win that. It just depends if Mexico can get the right result to get to the next round. Listen, for all our Mexican followers out there, I know there's many of you there. I hope you lose and lose badly <laughs> and are humiliated in this group yeah. stage. I really do. I hope Saudi Arabia beat you by two or three goals to nil because Saudi Arabia have really stepped up. So looking forward to that one. Lewandowski against Messi. Obviously, another one to look forward to. I like to see France against Tunisia. Obviously, a lot of Tunisians uh, uh, living in France as well. So there's a political one right there. So really, really prickly. Let's get your uh, predictions on the, the games if you want. Um, real quickly, Poland against Argentina. 1-0 Argentina. Ooh, I go 2-0 Argentina. Saudi-Mexico. 1-0 Saudi. Oh, I go 2-1 Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia. Vamos. Oh, I hope that game's 4-0. Let's go to Group D, Australia <laughs> against Denmark, James. I think it'll click that last 3-0 to Denmark. All right. Uh, I go 0-0. I, I don't see it with the Danes. Wow. Tunisia against France. Sneaky, sneaky one all for Tunisia. As you said, it's an important game for them. Like, you know, it's a, a bit of commu- a community in a country that will want to give France a bit of a kicking. All right. I go one nil France, definite red card for Tunisia. The emotions get involved, and that's going to be the difference. French capitalize. Well, here's a quick look at our predictions. And uh, James Benj, it was a bit of a rough day for you today for Victor Romano. <laughs> look at that score. 17 uh, points wow. for Romano. He, he predicted all of the scores right there and oh the correct outcomes. Gosh. Only the Wales-England one he got wrong. Wow. Don't James, show the players. explain yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what on earth? The Netherlands fa- failing to score three goals against Qatar. No wonder I have them losing to Oh, Americans. Christ. Bad day. Oh, no, hey, that's not much better. Bad day at the office. Listen, I'm just going to say this. This is probably a good time to finish the show. Thank you very much to producer Des for throwing that up there right now. Good day for the joy boy at the office it was. Boys, <laughs> I appreciate you. James Benz, you're the best. Michael Hood, you're close to being the best. You're not quite there, that. but you're close I'll to being that. the best. What take a that. great win for the U.S. boys, my friend. You go and enjoy yourself tonight. Have a little drink. Maybe have a beer or a Budweiser for those out there in Qatar who cannot have a Budweiser. <laughs> uh, big thank you to everybody for joining in the show. Thanks to everybody for listening to House of Champions. Please make sure you take a minute to leave us a rating and a review on your favorite podcast platform. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Anywhere else you listen to your podcast. Also available as video, so subscribe to us as YouTube. We are back at it again tomorrow at uh, noon Eastern, so please make sure you all jump in in the conversation. Jump in and let us know your feelings about the games. There should be some surprising results tomorrow. Is it going to be Saudi who smash Mexico? I hope so. See you then.
docuseries on Paramount+. Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and $15,000 a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus.